We are resilient people. Americans are resilient, and I think the people in our regional economy, Jersey, PA, Delaware, Chester, Monco, all of our counties, we're going to rebound from this, and we're going to have to work hard to rebuild our regional economy. I want everyone to remember that infrastructure is at the heart of it, but we cannot get back to pre-pandemic travel capacity unless we view infrastructure through a much broader lens and we need all of the advocates we can get so I want unions I want working people I want everyone I want parents I want seniors I want everyone it's going to take all hands on deck for this to move our region forward this is where policy meets people a Jeb's human services podcast I'm Kristen Rantanen. This is a podcast for policy wonks that gets to the heart of policy. At the top of the show, we heard from the head of the Delaware River Port Authority, Sherelle Parker. And given the content of her rousing call to action, you can probably guess what this episode is all about. As the country continues down the road to economic recovery, we're going to talk literally about roads, or more broadly, infrastructure. The roads, bridges, and public transportation and utility systems that connect us all. We're going to take a closer look at the people who build and maintain those systems, specifically women. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, as of 2020, women make up only 10% of the construction industry nationwide. At the same time, the economic crisis caused by COVID has battered industry sectors in which women's employment is more concentrated places like restaurants, retail, hospitality, and healthcare. With lots of discussion around policy pushing major infrastructure plans, like the one proposed by the Biden administration, that also include major investments to train people for those jobs, I'm wondering, could this be an opportunity for women to thrive in an industry that is traditionally dominated by men? When we're growing up as young ladies, rarely do we see women in those opportunities. We see, you know, women depicted in all of the household type things and uh, secretaries. Office buildings and office workers are a familiar sight in every city and town. So is the office secretary. This is Jean Carroll. Her day begins at nine o'clock and she's at her desk on time. I went to trade school in the 80s. And so when I looked around the classroom, I often was the only woman in the classroom and there were no other women to look up to. That's Christine Bronson, the director of career services at Orleans Technical College, a post-secondary school operated by Jev's Human Services. Orleans Tech provides career and technical education. And the reality is many of the men felt like it wasn't the place for us. Well, I'd like to think that over the years here at Orleans, we've changed minds and hearts. We have many women that have come to school and demonstrated that they are good at anything that they put their mind to just as well as a young man. Many of our employers, the more they meet our women, the more they understand that those women are going to be the leaders in their organizations if they just give them the opportunity. Within our own city, I have to give a shout out to SEPTA, PICO, 
the gas company. We have women that work in those companies. And once those ladies get in the field, we hear nothing but good things about them and their growth opportunities. Can you tell me a little bit about Orlean's relationship with SEPTA? SEPTA is one of those organizations that has made a commitment to women in the trades. I know they've had women who were a cashier in the daytime that maybe came to school at night as an HVAC technician. They've made a commitment over five years, not just to, to look at graduates of Orleans, but to look within themselves and identify women that may have been in your cashier position, your cleaning position, things like that, and help them with payments for school to help them upskill into building trades opportunities. That's on top of their list um, to to help more of their women. And and they're doing that recruiting from the outside and recognizing good workers that they already have and giving them an opportunity to grow into higher paying jobs. When I was the secretary of transportation uh, over at PennDOT, I was doing an event with the governor at the time. And we were over at the port and there was one female working at the port. This is Leslie Richards, the former secretary of the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation and current general manager at SEPTA. I was the first female uh, PennDOT secretary. So as soon as I walked in, she came running over uh, to me. And the first thing she said to me, I will never forget. She said, I drive the forklift here. I have been here for 10 years. She said, I've raised four children. She was a single mom. She said, I have a shore house. I own my own house here in Philadelphia. And uh, this job has provided this opportunity for me. And she said, and we need more women to realize that these are the type of jobs that are out there. I work with wonderful men here. They know about these opportunities. But she said, I don't think that a lot of women do. And uh, I had that conversation about five years ago, and it has really resonated with me. And so when I came here at SEPTA, I was thrilled that the the tradeswomen of SEPTA were already organized and having these types of conversations. And so now we are looking at our partnerships, including the one we have with you and other technical training programs. And we want to make sure that women understand that these opportunities are out there, that we're there to help them. It can be difficult for women to to work with these networks that are largely male. And we want to make sure they have the resources and the support that they need to do that. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to share that one conversation that I've taken with me to a variety of different uh, opportunities and jobs that I've held since. That's a great story, and I think so important, especially as we think about the impact of the the pandemic on women in the workforce and, and the fact that the sectors that women are concentrated have been so hard hit. Um, there are also jobs that don't sometimes provide the kind of economic opportunity that women need. And I'm just wondering, against the backdrop of so many women leaving the workforce during the COVID crisis, and as a woman with her own impressive career in infrastructure and transportation, how do you think we can get more women interested in those opportunities? There are clearly going to be women looking for chances to get back into the labor market and hopefully in more stable, better paying um, opportunities. We're focusing on recruiting and advancing more highly skilled women in the transit industry. 
And this includes our hourly skilled trades and maintenance positions. These are jobs that are traditionally held by men. They are very good family supporting jobs. And I just want to make sure they're aware of, uh, of, of these opportunities. So according to our labor market here at SEPTA, there are 5.2% women available for skilled craft positions. And right now at SEPTA, uh, we have a utilization rate of 1.5% women in those positions. So we want to do everything we can uh, to increase. We know that the labor market's out there to support it, and mm -hmm. we definitely want to take advantage of it. Like we see in every single job here, that when we have diverse perspectives and more gender balance, we work well together and it, it improves our bottom line. And we're always interested in improving our bottom line. We're also looking to enhance various outreach efforts to reach our goal. We're hoping to have approximately 75 women, which would be a 3.7% goal for us, increasing up from that 1.5 uh, that I mentioned. So that's more than doubling. It's a, it is definitely aggressive, but I am confident we can get there. And also just want to highlight a, a women building SEPTA outreach event at our uh, offices here. We're located at 1234 uh, Market. It's something that we normally hold every year. Of course, due to COVID, we were unable to do it last year. And we know that that in-person event is very important in introducing these opportunities to women. And we look forward uh, to being able to hold that event again. And we will as soon as we're able to do so safely. So we've been talking for, oh gosh, maybe a decade about uh, national investment in infrastructure. And um, despite the fact that it's a bipartisan conversation, we can't seem to get it done. Given the important role that infrastructure plays in economic development and our need to get people back to work right now, is this the right time to make that kind of national investment? Absolutely. I think this country has been underinvesting in transportation in general and particularly in transit. It's very easy to see for anyone who has traveled outside this country. You see high-speed rail, how it's utilized in other countries. You see how people get around. You see how cities have been designed. If you look at a Copenhagen, you look at a Melbourne, Australia, you see that those streets, that those walkways, mobility is designed around pedestrians, around bicyclists, around buses, around mass transit, not around single occupant vehicles, which is really the story here in the United States. As we talk mm -hmm. about climate change, as we talk about our own health, um, we know that mass transit is a big, a big piece of that. Of course, we look through all of our work with an equity uh, lens and mm -hmm. how does it impact communities that have not always had the best opportunities, that have been marginalized, that haven't um, been able uh, to get the same type of advancements for a variety of reasons, transit can be a key tool to providing uh, those opportunities. You know, we know the economic opportunities and jobs that are associated with investment in transit. Some statistics uh, that I would like to, to share with you an analysis of our proposed projects of significance, and that is our King of Prussia Rail project. And we know that it's an important part of our future. It will connect by transit the three largest employment centers here in the greater Philadelphia region, and that's Center City, University City, and King of Prussia. 
which is growing at a, a very fast pace. And very good jobs are available there, and they need access to employees. Vehicle procurements uh, to update our vehicles uh, on a very old system, to modernize our trolleys to make sure they're all ADA accessible. They were all designed prior to any ADA requirements. We have trolleys on our system that were built in 1940. And so uh, we definitely have to get them up to uh, where they need to be in our comprehensive bus network redesign, which will really change how people utilize our network. So those are examples of our projects of significance. And when we've analyzed those projects, we've seen that we could accelerate the regional employment growth by more than 50% over a three-year time horizon. It would generate $17.1 billion, that's present value, net present value, in additional state and local tax revenues. And it would be a 2.6 times return on investment. And so it's big and, and, and it's real, of course. Investment in SEPTA supports jobs and the economy in other ways as well. We generate more than $3.4 billion in annual statewide economic activity, and we support more than 26,500 jobs across Pennsylvania. And that's in addition to the 9,500 employees we have who are SEPTA employees. Between 2015 and 2020, we awarded more than 19,000 contracts totaling $1.57 billion, and that went Mm -hmm. to 1,000 companies in 40 of the 67 counties. And uh, just so that everyone understands, that was right after a transportation bill, uh, what we refer to here uh, in in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania as Act 89, a robust transportation bill that was passed in 2013. And so as soon as that was passed and the money started coming in, SEPTA was uh, able to put that money uh, directly back into the economy, which produced jobs and generated revenue for others and kept other businesses busy as well. Wow, that's amazing. So there really is a direct line between this kind of investment in infrastructure and robust economic development in our region. And, and job creation. Absolutely. You know, we always say that transportation is not a cost. It's an investment. Mm-hmm. And it's an investment that brings a very good return. Everyone can agree that transportation investment is a good idea. It's just how do we pay for it? And so that's where we are in the federal discussions as well as in the state discussions. But everyone agrees it is a good investment. Act 89 was clearly a good investment, as Leslie Richards just illustrated. Not only for the impact on the region's aging infrastructure and transportation, but also on the economy. One thing to remember when we're talking about investments in infrastructure and economic development, at the core of all of this is people. The people you see up on the bridges, perched in bucket trucks, in that closed lane on the highway, out on the rail yard. This is about an investment in people. I spoke to one of those people you may have seen in a rail yard, Kathy O'Malley. She's a graduate of Orleans Commercial and Residential Electrical Program, and she started working at SEPTA in November of 2019. She also carries the distinction of being SEPTA's first ever female lineman in the department where she's assigned. Actually, they told me on my first day on the job, and I was, I was blown over. I had no idea that the guys in this department have never worked with a woman before. and. 
it took some time to prove myself. It didn't happen overnight. You know, I'm not as, I'm not as strong as those guys in terms of brute strength. I mean, I'm a five foot three inch woman. Everything on the railroad is enormous. It's, the equipment is big and heavy. The wires are big and heavy. The rest of the people in my department are big and heavy, you know? It's just, that's, that's the nature of it. But I definitely have stamina. And I've been told many times about my work ethic and how much they appreciate it. And I, I have other things to offer, for sure. I, I have done everything that they have asked me to do, which is, you know, use chain hoists, three-quarter ton chain hoists, ton and a half chain hoists, three six-ton chain hoists, I'm happy to say I can do it. But, you know, they would see me lifting up a, a six-ton chain hoist and they would often, you know, come in and help me, which at first I was a little insulted, like, I can do this. But I am um, so happy to be there. It is so exciting and it's so empowering. And I, I can't tell you how great it feels to have a job that's an adventure almost every day. Well, it, it sounds like you really, you found a place and, and you, you earned the respect of your colleagues. Mm, thanks for saying that, Chris. I appreciate it. I want to back up and ask you about your interest in pursuing a career as an electrician. And you told me that when you got to Orleans, you knew that you wanted to end up at SEPTA. So Let's talk about sort of what you were doing before and, and your interest in working in this field. Well, I went to school for textile design, if you can believe that. Wow. And before I started SEPTA, I was, I was working three jobs. I was a standardized patient. I was working at a restaurant. And I have a small internet-based business where I design and create historically correct doll clothes for antique dolls. Oh, neat. Yeah, it's really, wow. it's a small niche. I've been doing that on the side for almost 20 years. Wow. That's another reason why this kind of blows my mind as well, because I'm used to working with tiny, teeny, tiny things and fancy antique laces and fabrics. And then I'm working on the railroad where everything is huge and heavy. Anyway, so... I had been, um, I've been struggling with juggling three jobs, barely just making ends meet. And so I have a, I had a friend who had been working at SEPTA for, well, now it's been, now it's been almost a decade. And through the years that I've known her, she had told me she was part of this women in the trades initiative and they, they go, they have meetings and they try to get the word out. And this friend of mine, you know, we were out somewhere and I was just bemoaning the fact that I, you know, I don't have any money to take trips or extra spending money. And I said, you know, I, I, I'm working all these jobs, but all of the things that I do don't really, they don't make a lot of money. I just, I said, I just, I just don't have the skills to make money. And she said, Oh, Kathy, you have, you have skills. You just need training. And just something about that, it kind of finally made the light bulb go off. Like, that's what I need. I need training. And I've already been through paying off school loans before. 
And I just couldn't possibly imagine myself doing that again and going back to college. And she said, you know, SEPTA will train you, but you need some experience in electricity. Otherwise, they're going to have a hard time finding worth in your resume. So that's when I, I said, well, whatever you did, I'm doing. And she started off at Orleans. So I invested in myself and went to school. So she was my inspiration. I had one person in my life who inspired me. That's, you know, that's, that's why I hope if there's any women out there who are listening to this, I really encourage them that they can, they can make a change in their lives. So a really positive change that will improve their finances and their self-confidence, you know, tenfold. Being a female lineman is such a wonderful thing, you know. Somebody saw me, you know, riding on the, the, the deck of the wire train going back to Wayne Junction, and they mentioned to me, you know, how, like, how strong and happy I looked, you know, standing there on the deck, you know, just enjoying being outside. I mean, very few people have that opportunity to ride on a deck, open air, on the railroad, on a beautiful blue sky day, wearing my work clothes and having this feeling of achievement, you know, of, of completing a day on the job. You know, it just, it's a great thing. Kathy was recently promoted to the signals department at SEPTA, and while she might not be using the six-ton chain hoist as much as she used to, she let me know it's still an adventure for her every day. Our hope at Jev's is Kathy is not the exception to the rule, but rather the continuation of a trend that creates new rules. But hope and inspiration is nothing without opportunity. Remember Act 89, the Commonwealth's Historic Transportation Bill that we discussed with Leslie Richards? I asked Sherelle Parker, who helped to pass Act 89 when she was in the State House, about the Biden administration's proposed infrastructure bill. Infrastructure really became a priority for me during my tenure in the Pennsylvania House. I'm a firm believer that out of crisis comes great opportunity. Um, and that was when we were able to pass the historic Act 89, which delivered over $2.3 billion to fund the repair and uh, uh, maintenance of our roads, bridges, and highways uh, in the Commonwealth, but also included a dedicated revenue source for mass transit. So it is probably one of uh, the most important pieces of legislation that I worked on when I was in Harrisburg. I mean, $2.3 billion is nothing to sneeze at, but, but it was for fine building the compromise. I had to learn to sit and listen. Sit and listen. When it came time to talk about funding and that dedicated revenue source and we couldn't have SEPTA coming up every year on its hands and knees begging, we needed to have a long-term strategy for our capital, you know, improvements. And for us, it was also about public safety. It was lighting. It was, um, it was cameras because you can't encourage people to, to use a mass transit system or even to, you know, cross bridges to come to and fro if they don't feel safe. And, and so have Having to communicate all of that was um it was just a really, really good lesson and, and and I would argue one of the most valuable in my entire career. 
Well, I feel like I just took a lesson in advocacy 101, you know, sort of how to get things done. It's really about finding the common denominator and and giving everyone an opportunity to put their needs on the table. And, and when you realize that you have more in common than not, you can get things done. Let's talk about the $2 trillion infrastructure plan that the president is going to be rolling out soon. Um, I know that there's some $620 billion for transportation, plus a number of other important investments. Um, what do you think a big investment like that is going to do for our region, especially th- you know in COVID times as we're coming out of the pandemic? This was a, a recent stat that I just heard President Biden mention, and he said that the U.S. ranks 13th globally in overall infrastructure and is outspent by our competitors on research and development. Now, yes, it's true. I'm a sports kid. I was a cheerleader and I ran track. So I'm a, I'm competitive. I'm a competitor and I want America to be number one in everything we do. So this is a moment when we are going to reimagine and rebuild a new economy. And I view it also as not just infrastructure, but it's like a jobs uh, a program, right? Because infrastructure isn't just roads and bridges. For me, guess what it's also going to do? When we begin to put people back to work, now it's opportunities for workforce development. I'm so tired of hearing firms who've located, I don't care if it's like, let's say the biotech industry or research industry, and we have this big groundbreaking and they come and they locate here, but they say, well, you know, there's a skills gap here in this region. Well, now will this give us the opportunity to specifically design apprenticeship programs that are geared directly to those industries that are being a part of um, that infrastructure investment being made in our region. So for me, the way my mind works, Kristen, I see the end first. Um, And that means I see the success. I see the big picture. And I'm like, wow, we're going to do all of these great things. And once we've sort of framed out what the big picture will look like, uh, imagine that apprenticeship for women, right? specifically to get there. Imagine yep. apprenticeship training, you know, directly into high schools for kids who say, listen, I like to take things apart and build them. But, you know, Sherelle, you're the English education major. I don't want to go, you know, read reading Shakespeare, you know, evolving, you know, but I, but I do want to get into this industry. We can say, hey, we've got a pipeline that will specifically train you. So imagine us connecting Residents in Jersey and Pennsylvania and Chester and just our entire region, a path to these good jobs. And when you do that, Kristen, guess what you do? You give me dignity, so much dignity that all I can do is go to work and come home and think about how I'm going to celebrate with my family and the people I love to um, move our family forward. And I don't have time to engage in anything that's not helpful and or being a good citizen because I'm focused on the self-sufficiency and dignity that this job opportunity has just provided to me. So it, it sounds a little bit like your lesson of Act 89, you know, bringing together, bringing together people, um, who, um, who have the same common interests and, uh, want good jobs, want safer roads, want safer bridges and want Um, an economic recovery. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. 
all the challenges we have in the world, in our country, in our commonwealth, I still think we live in the greatest nation in the whole world. And there's nobody who can convince me otherwise. This kind of substantive policy making intergovernmental cooperation and planning. This is the kind of work that is going to help all boats rise. I want to thank my trailblazing guests, Leslie Richards, the first female transportation secretary in Pennsylvania, Kathy O'Malley, the first female lineman in her department at SEPTA, Councilwoman Sherelle Parker, the first female chair of the DRPA, and Christine Bronson, a trailblazer in her own right, now helping other women find their way into the trades. If you're keeping count, that's four female firsts. I also want to thank PWP Video for their assistance in production of this podcast. They're great partners in creating media with a mission. For more of their work, visit pwpvideo.com. Our theme song was composed by Zach Wright, and the show is produced by me, alongside of my colleague John Colburn, also of Jeff's Human Services, and Michael Schweisheimer and Pat Ganley of PWP Video. The show is skillfully edited by Pat. To learn more about Jeff's Human Services, check out our website at jevshumanservices.org or follow us on social media at Jeff's Human Services on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm Kristen Rantanen, and until next time, on where policy meets people.